Hi, Meredith. Hey, Bobby. Thanks for joining me here as we welcome everyone aboard the only podcast this week not sponsored by Sherry's Berries. Meredith, as you know, all of us in the LRP universe are either getting ready for seeing or avoiding our moms this weekend. Mm -hmm. And as a result, we have not had much time to think about recording a new episode for this Friday edition of Little Red Bandwagon. But we do know that we have a great episode in the LRB archives from one year ago on TBTL's episode, Why It Matters, Mom's Edition. This is an episode from TBTL History when Luke, Jen, and Sean each have their moms on to answer a series of questions about their relationships with their mothers and their embarrassing and hilarious childhoods. Meredith, what was your favorite part? Um, definitely Sean's mom. Uh, that they're so able to talk about his his uh, youthful dis- indiscretions. Uh, that's really impressive to me because there's so much that I did when I was a teenager that I absolutely am not willing to rehash with my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good point. I was thinking about this going back and listening. This original episode of LRB is hosted uh, by me, Mike, and Phyllis Fletcher. And Mm -hmm. we talk a lot about our moms too. And uh, not only um, can I not imagine having my mom on LRB to talk about my childhood, (laughs) I'm really just hoping she doesn't know that we've done this episode or that we're re-airing it. So uh, everybody, please keep your mouths shut. <laughs> and this is not like when Luke says, keep your mouths shut, and then you all go tweet and rat him out. My mom's not on Twitter, so I'm safe. <laughs> A quick note about this episode. Before the actual episode starts, um, you'll know that this was an episode edited by Jeremy last year. Uh, because he recorded a little intro with him and Ellie in a rare opportunity to use a microphone on our show without Mike Frizzell interfering. It was adorable. Yeah. So it's going to start with Jeremy and Ellie uh, one year ago, and then we'll jump into our episode, followed by the clip back to TBTL's episode on Why Moms Matter. This, what you're hearing right now, is an intro to an intro to an intro to an episode (laughs) of TBTL. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. It's Jeremy. I am one of the producers for Little Red Bandwagon. They won't give me a microphone, but they can't stop me from doing this, mainly because I have the passwords to where we host the audio files. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to sneak in this little thing before the show. So, Ellie, one of the things that I was thinking about is, you know how it's, uh, you know how it's Mother's Day? I was thinking that we could record a fun little message for Christy to put in one of her podcasts as a surprise. What do you think about that? Wait, it's it's Mother's Day today? Uh, this weekend on Sunday, yeah. Okay. What do you think we should record for? I know what. Can I have it? I know what. Okay, here you go. Gotta just talk right into it. Oh. Let me, let me see and make sure it's still recording. I know what it is still. Um... Hi, Christy. I love you, and I happy Mother's Day. I hope you have a good day. Bye. So, can you answer a couple questions for me about Christy? Mm-hmm. What is your favorite thing to do with Christy? Um, watch movies. Watch movies. What kind of movies have you guys watched together? Harry Potter. What do you think Christy's favorite food is? Bananas. <laughs> <laughs> Bananas. <laughs> what is? Um, what do you think Christy's favorite podcast is? Little Red Riding Hood. Little Red Riding Hood? Yeah. Do you mean the Little Red Bandwagon? Yeah. <laughs> Not Nerd Out Loud? 
That's her favorite podcast. No, I don't know. Which one do you think? Or Too Beautiful to Live? TBTL. Um, if you could sing a song for Christy, what song would it be? Baby, rock, ship, and fly far away. I dream of a place, laughing about your face. Say, wake up, you need big money. How did you feel about realizing that we were getting married and Christy was going to be one of your moms? Happy, very, and happy infinity and beyond happy. Sorry. <laughs> um... What would you want to say to Christy today on Mother's Day? Happy Mother's Day, Christy. I love you forever. <laughs> and ever. Forever and ever. That was beautiful. Thank you. So, there you go. Happy Mother's Day, Christy. You're amazing. I'm so glad you're in my life and my daughter's life. And happy Mother's Day to everybody else. Enjoy the show. Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon. We are the twice-weekly podcast dedicated to celebrating the radio show turned podcast, Too Beautiful to Live. On Mondays, we give you a recap of the previous week's shows. And usually on Fridays, we bring on a fan of the show, or known as Tens, to tell about their experiences with the show as well as play one of their favorite segments from the show's history. But as a special treat every month this year, we are bringing friend of the show, Phyllis Fletcher, back to share her favorites as she keeps plugging away at listening to every episode of TBTL. My name is Mike Frizzell, and I currently rent a house in Austin for $20 a day <laughs> until I move into a new home in Kyle, Texas, the Cheddar Bay City, next Friday. And joining me from Seattle, Washington, is the aforementioned Phyllis Fletcher. Hello, Pete. Hey, guys. How are you? <laughs> Doing well. Also helping yeah. out today, all the way from Pawtucket, <clears throat> Rhode Island, home of the Paw Sox, is Bobby Pape. Hola and guten tag, Bobby. Hello, Mike, and thank you. In fact, before we get going, uh, we have a sponsor for this week, and I want to go ahead and get it out of the way at the top of the show. Go for it. So, hello, listener. Just the other day, we were talking to your mom, and we have to say she's been pretty depressed since that whole thing with your dads. Lucky for her, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and we know just the thing to get her fired up, Gary's Berries. Oh, no. For years now, your mom has been stealing glances from behind her glass of cardboard dough while sitting with her girlfriends at Lucky Lane's on league night. Isn't it time you did her a solid and surprised her with a long overdue treat? For listeners of Little Red Bandwagon, we've got a special offer. Every order of Gary's Berries will come complete with an embroidered uniform shirt, a sparsely appointed studio apartment, and a 1983 El Camino that just passed inspection thanks to Gary's buddy Ron down at the pick and pull. Don't wait to give your mom that thrill she's been missing since the cable company cut off her free Cinemax. Order now at garysberries.com and use the offer code LRB to get 50% off your purchase. And as always, from Gary's Berries, you can get double the drizzle for just another $10. (laughs) Order now. No, don't. Don't get double the drizzle. Single drizzle should be plenty. Yeah, I've had Gary's Berries. They're they're pretty good. Is that a prison story? They're surprisingly salty. <laughs> All right. So uh, our guest uh, is Phyllis Fletcher, of course. Uh, we're going to talk to her for a moment about where she is in her catching up on TBTL. Uh, we're going to play her May clip from TBTL History, which is a Mother's Day show. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about our moms and how they would have reacted to the same questions in the in the quiz that's in the clip. I will tell you how to get involved. And, of course, there's some housekeeping as well. 
Um, Phyllis, while I have you here, yeah, uh, you let's let's set the table on, on your listening to TBTL again. You got into the show uh, about a year or two ago, November twenty fourteen. Okay, November twenty fourteen, and you decided to go back. And your method was to go back to the beginning of the previous year, listen to all the shows, then go back to the beginning of the previous year to that and listen to all the shows. Am I correct? Yes. (laughs) Yes. And so now you've completed all of the years except the original year, the 2008 radio year? I decided um, to actually go back on my on my previous go back instead of going back to January '09. I only went back to the first podcast day in '09. So now I'm working my way through all the radio shows, abandoning my previous um, method. Oh, okay, so now you're going <laughs> from the beginning of the radio show until um, the end of 2009. Until That's... the end of the radio show in September. Until the end of the radio show in September. Okay, yes. gotcha. All right, that makes sense. So I've now um, listened to all the podcast only episodes and I'm working my way through the radio year and nine months, nine and a half months. And where are you with that? I am conveniently in May two thousand eight. <laughs> that's that's what where we're getting this clip from. You know, um in our chat, uh maybe it was about a week ago now. You were listening to something about the book club and you're asking me questions about, yes. about uh, how I met Emily and all I, that. First of all, I propose that that be um, a, a focus of our next episode together. So in June, I okay. want to discuss uh, June 2008 and your special time when you met Emily. All right. But the thing that surprised me most and why I asked about that is I was like, damn, brother, you jumped on that quick. Because I didn't realize that you met Emily in the first six months of TBTL. Oh, yeah. And I heard her name on the radio show before I heard Drew and Redmond. And yeah. she was a very early adopter as well, which is very impressive. So I was hearing her her quips and her unique sense of humor and, and her um, roasting of Luke mm-hmm. occasionally. And I was like, no wonder you got sprung because I know it was very, um, very involved in the um, online community that they were building also is how you primarily interacted, I think. But mm-hmm. I want to, as you would say, keep my powder dry sure. <laughs> and get deep. This is uh, this is some promotion, right, for our next episode. Sure. Together. Yes. The forward so, promo. Sure. Exactly. So um, as Gary Delabate might say, we're pre-promoting. So I'm pre-promoting that we are going to get into this in a month. Absolutely. Tune in <laughs> but, next month to find exactly. out if that fest was acid washed or just stone washed. <laughs> What really brought Emily and I together was we both love to make fun of Luke. So it was was made we were made for each other. Yeah. <laughs> I All I, right. I think that's great. Yeah. So but I was when I realized when I started putting it together and I was listening to um my, you know, May two thousand eight um episodes and when Jen started saying, So we're gonna have the book club book club next month at Verve Wine Bar in Columbia City, I started going, Wait a minute, that's already happening? That is already happening. I was really surprised and really impressed that you guys met so early in the in the um in the lifetime of the show. So yeah, good I job. Fast. Good job getting on that, Mike. <laughs> Thanks. So uh, I have a general question about um your listening to the archives the way you're listening to them. Uh now that you're back listening to the radio days, which do you prefer? The podcast, the radio show, or are there different things? 
that you like or don't like? Oh gosh, I mean, I love both of them. They are it's it's neat because listening to the radio time you really hear how different they were. I mean, in radio, you're so restricted, especially commercial radio, not only Mm -hmm. the kinds of things you can talk about, um, but for how long, you know, Mm -hmm. so there's certain things that they dance around that they can more directly say on the podcast now. Um, And they also, um, you know, they have to hit hard posts with the news and things like that. And so everything is paced Mm -hmm. much more quickly and, there's not a lot of um, room for, I think at the time they felt like they were digressing and going on tangents and stuff a lot, but really not like today at all. And so I think that um, while I, I really like the structure and pacing and things like that of the radio show, there's so much that doesn't happen um, that you only hear to start ha- hear starting to happen um, in the, in the podcast era. Well, um, and also just, physically listening to the, you know trying to listen to the show through the archives is much easier with the podcast than it is with the radio show mm-hmm. I mean, yeah you have to go click on each hour and then you know there is even though they've cut out all the commercials still you know with commercial radio there's still intros and outros and you feel like there's there's some fluff even in the only like 34 minutes of actual programming per hour mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. still a little fat there um something i really do love about listening to these is the presence of the third person sean so funny you know it's just Mm -hmm. it's so great because it's like they i mean from what i understand they really lucked into having sean as their engineer and Mm -hmm. so you can feel that there's you know it's a program that there's it's the whole brainchild of luke and jen but then there's this little sidebuster guy who just for whatever reason happens to be perfect for it and i love I love that aspect of it too. I love the third, the presence of the third person. Being a radio pro, um, how do you feel about his squeaky mic? <laughs> it doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's the kind of thing that, um, that I mean, I love anything that irritates the host. Um, I love, and, and I love that they can talk about it on the air because I can tell you what happens in public radio. Anything that irritates the host. It's just, it becomes a subject of meetings. It becomes a subject of tantrums when the mics are off. Mm -hmm. And for that stuff to be on the air, I think it's funny. And it's also funny because I think there were certain things also that he could hear that that the average listener actually can't. And so Mm -hmm. when, you know, this happens on the Howard Stern show too, where he's like, you know, oh, you know, so-and-so just bounded into the studio and, you know, he can hear their door door opening and closing a lot of that stuff we can't actually hear but even when we can it just makes it fun that the host is referring to it and going this is annoying you know or like my sound effects didn't work again or whatever (laughs) it is it's just funny so i like it (laughs) well i i really try to keep a lid on my emotions and what's really bothering me when Mm. i'm hosting the show but if i hear meredith's goddamn cat one more time (laughs) steven I love hearing Steven. <laughs> he's so cute. He's, he doesn't offer anything, but he has, he's, he has one story. <laughs> I love that story. I'm pretty sure I promised Steven an associate producer credit a couple of sure. weeks ago. We got to work on that. <laughs> oh, Steven. So, um, oh. Bobby, can you uh, set up this clip and then uh, we will listen and talk about it? Absolutely. So Phyllis, uh, when you pulled this for us, you cut it down a little bit and we're, we're going to listen to just a core part of this. We're going back to May 9th, 2008. It's the second hour 
of a TBTL from the radio days. And uh, it's a pre-Mother's Day celebration. It's the Friday before Mother's Day. And uh, Luke, Jen, and Sean are doing a special Why It Matters Moms edition. And to celebrate their moms, they interviewed each of their moms on the show, asking them the same six questions, uh, which brings up some nice comparisons and uh, contrasting details about their childhoods. Uh, from their moms. Also, quite a wide variety of personalities from the moms, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> Although all of them brought their quirks. I will definitely say that. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure there's much more to say than that, other than uh, that we'll talk about it when we come back on the other side. Um, just fascinating that they got all three of them to come on and talk pretty candidly about their children who are now all grown up and working in radio. Mm -hmm. So let's take a listen. Hey, I'm Liz Dottori, and I live in Sammamish, Washington. All right, Shawnee, go for it. Hi, Mom. Hi, Sean. Okay, so <laughs> first question is, uh, were you terrified when you found out that you were pregnant with me? No, as I planned it. And we, you know, I wasn't terrified. I ner was nervous, you know, since it's the first time of being pregnant and having a kid. But no, I wasn't terrified. Okay, good one. Okay. Um, <laughs> you you were born you into me. a into a calm family. That's you a good. very calm family. That yeah. makes I think one out of three. <laughs> and Jen, you would be happy to know that uh, my folks were at Star Wars when uh, when you were what like almost about to pop. Oh yeah, uh, yep. I went to see the Star Wars movie, and I had to bring my bed pillow with me because I think it was I think it was only a few weeks before you were due. Well, you were late anyway. This is why Sean is good people. And yeah. why Sean looks like an Ewok. <laughs> Especially when he has that hair. Oh, the hair. All right, let's move on. <laughs> um, so was I an easy baby to deal with in general? Oh, yeah, you were. You slept a lot, and you still do, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, you slept. You were good, yeah. I was one of the lucky ones. You okay. were easy. Did he have all this hair? Uh, he had a lot of hair when he was born, yeah. And it was curly. Oh. Is that? Do you have that same kind of hair, Liz? I, my hair is completely straight, but I have the same coloring. Uh, does his dad have that kind of hair? No, his dad's um, black or dark brown, really. Wow. Mysterious. How <laughs> Sean would have that hair. Somewhere back in the DNA code, somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, we need to get checked on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, based on my childhood behavior... Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Let's not ask about the adulthood behavior. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think I was going to um, become? Oh. Like? Uh, your childhood, you never really said when you were real young, but when you were in um, junior high, you've changed your mind so many times. Went from being a DJ, a chef, and um, I think those were the things, a DJ, a chef, and then you did want to be an actor, which you tried out for a while. Well, I, I don't want to um, butt in here, Liz, but he is a DJ, on our show, and, well, he cooks, and, and he cooks things, and well, he now he during the TVTL players. That's <laughs> yes, kind of amazing. That's right. He like actually that. went three for three. Yeah, he did. He wound up doing that, but uh, Chef was one of them. Yeah, and he is. He's on that show once in a while that Tom Tom Douglas, is it? Yeah. He's yeah. also on, on TVTL. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's right. He has an entire segment named for him. It's called Cooking with Sean DeTore. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's um, yeah, he's actually making a lot of things that I've, I mean, I do try different things, but he's really out there trying different things. True. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
So what was the hardest part about raising me? The hardest part, huh? When you became a teenager and got into a few little myths there. Oh, yeah? I got into some niffs? Myths or whatever you want to call them. Little little offside. You know your little... What's one that stands out in your mind? Oh, the one about buying cigarettes <laughs> oh. when you aren't supposed to. What happened? What happened? Um, let's see. The police called us and told us you're trying to buy them at the 7-Eleven down there by the <laughs> Redmond Transit Station. Right. And then you then you had to go to some special class, and your father was real upset. <laughs> and he was more upset that he had to pay all that money, and it didn't do anything anyway. I mean, it it the law well they wanted your money, so I mean, but that was one of the things. Did know. that class scare you straight, Sean? No, no, obviously not. <laughs> I even asked the cop, "You're not going to call my folks, right?" No. No, but they did. How old were you, Shawnee, when you're trying to buy like six? Like in high school, like 17. Yeah. Oh, so you were like so a year under the limit, and they actually called the cops on you? Yeah, the person at the 7-Eleven counter right. said, oh, can I see your ID? And I was like, right. stupid. Yeah, here, take it. And they didn't give it back, called the cops. Right. Oh, it. my gosh. Yep. That was, And then one time when he ran out of the house, when we knew he, we were getting a letter from the school about something, he was failing or cut a class, and... He took the letter and tore off, remember, and with your father, we chased you in the car all through the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, I remember, and I was gone like all night and called you from a payphone later in the yeah. evening. You outran them and they were in a car? I was oh. in a car. He oh, was you in were a car, in a car, too, like and we were in a car. <laughs> wait, 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 Sean, so you, you you got some bad news in the letter form, and then your your plan was to just take the letter and get out of the DeTory house? Yeah, like, I think, <laughs> what, you guys read it. All right. No, you, we knew that you, you got to the mail before us or something, and we knew it was something you didn't want to show us, and then you took off. Because we told you we wanted to see the letter, and you just took off in the car, and we took off in our car, and just kept chasing you, and we were really, you know what, at you. Yod. <laughs> yeah. Nift. Yep, that's it. <laughs> but you never caught me, I guess. No, I don't remember if we did or not. You know, years, it's been a long time now, gosh. I can't remember everything. You know, my mind's getting a little old. Okay, so what was the highlight of our parent-child relationship? What's one of your best memories of uh, just you and me? Just me and you? Yeah. Oh, or gosh. dad, if you want. I don't know. When you and your dad go off when we went away to Yellowstone, you and your father had a time on your own and went horseback riding. And, you know, and then the time we went out to lunch together was just you and me, and you promised me you would never smoke. And what <laughs> happened? You turned around and started smoking. <laughs> <laughs> what a highlight. Very yep. highlighty. <laughs> but it was nice to It was eat. great in that moment, I'm sure. Yeah, have a nice, you know, just me me and you out. Do you remember lunch. where you guys went for lunch? Yeah, Red Robin Aww. in Bellevue. Was this before he tried to buy the cigarettes or after? Oh, that was way before. He was in junior high. He probably meant it that he would never smoke it. Yeah. yeah, right. He did. And then all of a sudden gets into high school and that just kills everything. <laughs> Never send kids to high school. Right. No, that's the, I think that's and the then uh, when he went to his first dance, I felt bad for him because he went to ninth grade dance. And then when he got there, I guess he was supposed to meet a girl and she didn't show up. Your father had to go and get you. Really? Yeah. That was when we lived in Heritage Hills. Hmm. I'm Did so you... glad you've blacked that out of your memory. I Sean. know. And, and Liz, I'm so glad you've now brought it back up for him. <laughs> How traumatic. Well, he doesn't even remember. so it doesn't I know, matter. but now he does. <laughs> oh, well. No. <laughs> but no. Liz, you got, Liz, you got to admit. Sean's got a heart of gold. Yeah, he does. This is TBTL. We'll be back in a moment with much more. Welcome back to TBTL. This hour, we're doing Why It Mattered. 
Why do they matter? Moms? Oh, only because they brought us into this world. We just got done hearing an interview with uh, Sean's mom, Liz DeTori. Uh, now it's time for an interview with uh, my very own special, special lady, Susan Burbank. Uh, here are the same six questions that we gave to all three moms. Here's my mom. Hi, I'm Susie Burbank, and I live in Silverdale, Washington. So, Mom, uh, were you terrified the day you found out that you were pregnant with me? Absolutely terrified. Yes, because I was, as you know, a single mom. To be. What went through your mind in Philadelphia, PA, in 1975, when that little test said blue or red or whatever it said? Um, I thought, I don't know if I love this guy enough to marry him. I don't know what else I'm going to do. I want to have this baby. Maybe I can put the baby up for adoption, but I don't want to have an abortion. I know that much, but I am so not ready to be a mom. So um, so we got off to a good start, you would say, you and I, <laughs> in that I completely and totally ruined your life. Um, you complete my life. Oh. Well, now maybe, but at the time, how old were you, Mom? You were like 21 or 22? I was 21 at the time, yeah. Well, you were drinking age, so I mean... Yeah. You waited till that far. Yeah. Of course, they didn't have any taboos about drinking while you're pregnant, mind you. Did you drink when you were pregnant with me? I smoked a lot of marijuana, let's put it that way. And did so much is coming together, right? Did now. you ever think, Mama, uh, that it was that was maybe not a great idea, even though there were no like medical rules against it? Did you think maybe less grass while I'm pregnant is a good idea? Um, yeah, because I wasn't partying as much. I had a lot more on my mind. Oh, so you, you, you backed it off a little bit. I backed it off because the thing about I wasn't drinking, but that's, that's, that was always linked with the partying. The marijuana you could do on your own and just kind of, you know, sort of simmer about it and think about your life. Right, very... but you were taking the pregnancy seriously. You had at least just oh downgraded gosh, to yeah. just weed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, amazingly, I was born. I didn't have four eyes that I knew of. You were um, the cutest boy ever born. Well, Mom, that is very sweet of you to say, but what would you say, uh, was I an easy baby when I was little? No, you were difficult. You know that. No, no. I mean, when I was a baby baby. I know baby I was a diff baby? difficult well, grown-up, but... It was not easy because it was all new to me. But I mean, in terms of just like the kind of baby I was, did I cry a lot? Um, did I... No, I just nursed you all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> even then, I was kind of a boobs man? <laughs> Yes, and that always made you happy. So anytime you cried, I just nursed you, and that seemed to do the trick. Well, Mom, based on my behavior then when I got a little bit older and I was, um, you know, uh, uh, a toddler and then a, uh, a, like a, you know, teenage kid, what did you think I was going to go into for my line of work based on the kind of kid that I was, the kind, based on sort of how I was? Well, the way you had such a way of arguing your position, I thought you were going to go into law. Because I knew you had the brains for it. Are you and I knew you had a way of convincing anybody that you were right. What, so, what, what was the biggest thing I ever talked you into? What was the biggest thing I ever talked you into? Just hundreds of trips to pizza and pipes? Probably. That was part of it. Um, uh, just you basically, to just kind of shut you up, you talked me into just about everything that you wanted. Because <laughs> it's like, what do I do? I'll just give in. Because he's not going to give up. So I well, guess that's because I you always breastfed him when he cried. Yeah, <laughs> I got my way so too he was much. So used to. That's right. 
the demand being met, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Mom, all those times when I was saying, let's go to Pizza and Pipes, I just wanted you to breastfeed me. <laughs> I was too busy breastfeeding your siblings. You know what yeah, I'm yeah. I do know. <laughs> this is TBTL. We'll be back in a moment with much more. Welcome back to TBTL. Oh, Mother's Day is this Sunday. Uh, and so we thought we would dedicate this hour of TBTL, which we like to call Why It Matters. We decided to do Why It Matters Moms. Uh, here are the same six questions that we gave to all three moms. Here's my mom. Um, mom, what do you think was the hardest part about raising me? Um, I think your strong will that just continued. It wasn't just through like the, quote, terrible twos, but your strong will and your convincing nature that the reason you did this was because you always had your alibi. That was the hardest thing. It's because, wait a minute, I'm the parent here. You're the kid. Yeah, I'm the one who gets to smoke grass. <laughs> Not you. No, 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 no. I'm talking about even in your teenage years. Right. You know, you always had an alibi for everything you did, which on the one hand I thought was good because you weren't just like the typical teen that, how you doing? Oi. How was your day? Oi. You, you mean weren't I, a grunter. I wasn't like, I wasn't like, I wasn't like my little brother, Sam. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I always knew what was going on in your head for the most part. Well, mom, what, you were an easy read. what would you describe? Well, mom, what would you describe then as uh, your the highlight of our parent-child relationship? You think? I think before I married your dad, and I was, you know, just traveling around with you. You were just my buddy. You were my Lucas McGoogles, you know. And you went everywhere I went, and my relationship with you was so tight. Mom, you say that name do you want to, mom? Do you want to sing the Lucas McGoogles song uh, for everyone who hasn't heard it? Okay, it's a pretty dumb song, you have to admit. Well, it was when I was like one and you were changing my diaper or something, right? I would go, Lucas McGoogles for sale. How much does he cost? I'll buy him. And da, 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 da. <laughs> that is great. Yeah. It was, did you make that up, Mom? Absolutely. When you were it was high? One of those, those crazy, <laughs> it was one of those crazy mom things, and I did it with all your siblings, too. You get a little bit nutty. Yeah, you did. You, you do the same thing, hour in and hour out. Anytime one of my sisters uh, would have a towel on, having just got out of the bathtub, and it was wrapped around them, kind of almost like a um, like a burqa or something that a Muslim woman would wear, Mom, what would you always say? Judah Ben her sister. Judah Ben her sister. <laughs> like because when they had when she leprosy. Was in the leper colony, yes. <laughs> and she had it wrapped around her head, and she was just this little bit of a head, you know. <laughs> um, all right, Mom. You no, know, it's funny because Maddie. I had my granddaughter this weekend, or this past week, and when I get her out of the bath and I wrap the towel around her, your dad said, oh, look, you'd have been her sister. <laughs> Mom, are you kind of sad that all your seven kids are all grown up now and that they, they oh, don't need caring for? Oh, I tell you, I got a it? taste of it last week with having my granddaughter, you know, with having Maddie, and I loved it, but I was way more tired than I used to be. Is it too yeah. late for you and Dad to have another one? Technically, no. <laughs> How do you mean technically? Well, as far as I'm concerned, but, you know, your dad had to do some quick changes here. Oh, yeah, he got fixed. You got oh, it. Oh, okay. Well, then it actually isn't technically possible, I don't think. Um, it's technically possible because he could reverse it. But oh. you know what? I would not want to be 70 when my kid graduates from high school, if you know what I mean. Uh-huh. Is this something um, the I'm already going to be 60, so. So your heart's not in it graduate. anymore. <laughs> uh, no, that would be more like 74. <laughs> 
because <laughs> I'm 54 now, so, you know, it would be close to 72 maybe, and no, 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 no. But, Mom, the way you talk about it, it almost sounds like something that up until recently you had kind of considered. Oh, absolutely, because my favorite thing in the world is to be a mommy of a little one, you know, and it kind of breaks my heart that I will never be a new mommy again. You know, I mean, I'll never have a new baby again, but, you know, it's part of life. Yeah. Well, and you got grandbabies galore coming. I do, but I can't nurse them. You know what I'm saying? Well, well I tried to. And I, I mean, hey, there's yeah. a real, real love of the nursing <laughs> in this family. Daddy was a baby. Wait, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. There, hold on. There was three people talking at once there. All right. Back up. You tried. Hold I, on. I, what I, did I you say? Too, well, the baby was crying when Maddie was, you know, very, very young and Hannah was visiting. And Hold I on, just, Mom. Back, it's, hold on. Still, I don't feel like we're setting this up correctly. Mom, wait. Your granddaughter, Maddie, was crying and and you did what to try to calm her down? I was really plain. I tried to pretend like I was going to nurse her to comfort her. How far into the pretending did you get? Well, you know, she tried to suck. There's nothing there, of course. She latched, Did she latch on? <laughs> she did. And Wait, and Mom, you had your shirt off and you were actually... Ner- off, like- just up. It's easy. It's not, not like you take the whole thing off. I was Ma- just kind of plain, but my youngest son, David, saw it, and he went ballistic. Yeah, because that's like borderline incest. That's like incest mixed <laughs> no, with no, old no, country no. buffet. Uh, no, it isn't. It was just, it's I natural. was seeing if it would comfort her. <laughs> <laughs> but David just said, do you have to mention my name and all that? Mom, did you ever try to nurse Addie, my daughter? <laughs> I actually didn't because I was nursing Sam, so uh. I was okay. Thank she was God. Had he needed a nurse, and I could have very easily. You know what I'm saying? Uh. But um, no, Addie didn't come into the picture till so much later. She was 17 months already, and no longer nursing. Mm-hmm. So it would have been, um, you know, it, she would have been foreign to the, what's this? What's happening here? So yeah, plus well. you're not my mama. So this was when Maddie was very young. I'm talking three months old or something. You know. Well, there are times when Maddie's crying inconsolably. And I saw, I used to see something in her eyes, and I didn't know what it was, but now I understand. <laughs> it's the trauma of having Luke, Luke your dad is doing nursed. Cut it, cut it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mom, well, then let's go to the last question. All right. All right, Mom, here's the last question. Uh, what advice would you give to me about any future children I may have or just in my raising of Addie for the next few years? What advice, in your experience as a parent, would you try to pass on to me as a parent? Well, I'm a firm believer that you cannot spoil a child with too much love. You can definitely spoil them with too much stuff too much and with too milk. much making up for... Too much your, nudity. <laughs> no, no, too much, like, you know, making up for not being available, but you could never spoil someone with too much love. It's impossible. So that's what I gave you guys. Not too much. I hopefully just enough. Well, Mom, you know, it's interesting because... Um, uh, when Hannah was in town the other uh, week, her and I were talking about how you know there's seven kids in our family, and none of them are crazy, or <laughs> or, or weird, or uh, angry. It, like we have seven very well uh, balanced and pretty happy people that have come out of the Burbank family. So you guys did something right. I mean, I think oh. it happened mostly on accident, but uh, I'm not going to argue with the results. <laughs> well, you guys were always loved individually. You know what I mean. No one was left kind of. Wondering if they're loved, that's for sure. Right. Except oh. Rachel. We oh. don't really love her very much. <laughs> I love her desperately. But, Mom, let me ask don't you this. what she does. Mom, I... let me just, but let me, I know we're only supposed to, we have to go, actually, but, Mom, I, we're only supposed to have six questions, but the seventh is, you love me 
I'm the oldest. I'm your firstborn. You love me a little more than the other ones, right? <laughs> you want to get that one in, don't you? I just, I, I just want to know. Yes, you'll always be the one I love the most, okay? <laughs> wow, you still can get her to do what you want. That's pretty Mom, awesome. can, can we go to Pizza and Pipes later, except now it's a blockbuster video. <laughs> well, Mom, happy Mother's Day, and Thanks I love you so have much. Fun. Have fun in Sin uh, City, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I always do. I always now. do. I'm drinking for both of us, Mom. <laughs> okay, I guess you can do that. All right, I love you. Love you, too. Happy Mother's Day. Thanks, Jen. Bye-bye. Bye. We'll be back with more TBTL in just a moment. This is Too Beautiful to Live on News Talk 710 Cairo. Welcome back to TBTL, Why They Matter, Moms. We're talking to our own mothers this hour. Uh, we wrote up the six question little template and we've been posing them to uh, Sean's mom and my mom. And now it's time to hear from uh, really the toast of the North Seattle slash Lake City region. They know her as a Shadoobie, as Big Steph. Here's Jen's mom, Stephanie Slezak. My name is Stephanie Slezak. I'm Jennifer's mother and I live in North Seattle in a beautiful park like setting. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So uh, my first question for you, well, first of all, Mom, I was going to ask you, does it feel like stunning that you have a 36-year-old child? It doesn't seem as stunning to me as it seems to everyone else that I tell. Because you're so young? I don't know. I, I don't look young, but I think that people don't think of me mm -hmm. that way. When you're in a jacuzzi with the other shadoobies and you guys aren't wearing <laughs> clothes, it just seems like odd that you have a 36-year-old daughter. <laughs> Okay. Not, that, not at those moments. No, no. Okay, so my first question is, were you terrified when you found out you were pregnant with me? The opposite. I was so thrilled. So everything went good with the pregnancy? It wasn't scary? No, it was fabulous. And would you say that I was an easy baby? Yes, very easy. You were so much fun from the moment you were born and only ever gotten... More of a joy to me every day since then. Oh, so now, did she, did, when she w would make a mess in her diapers, did it just smell like chocolate chip cookies? <laughs> it was just nothing. It was no big deal. It's part of life. But I mean, did she? She was. She didn't cry too much. She didn't keep you oh, up. She started sleeping through the night when she was seven days old, and I went running in her to her bedroom with a look in her crib and shook her. I thought she was dead. <laughs> Did she have a, a little, tiny, cute, adorable bottle of red wine in the crib with her? <laughs> Actually, when I decided to get pregnant, I became a teetotaler of all things and didn't take one drop of alcohol or any kind of anything until my second daughter went to school. So maybe, so that's, no. maybe that's why I'm such a, a booze hound is because well, I was I deprived in the womb. <laughs> There you go. Steph, yeah. I didn't I didn't think you'd placed it there. I just and Jen has such an affinity for it now as an adult, I thought maybe she had managed to get her hands on some kind of, you know, just a small box of Franzia or something. Yeah, I think that is hereditary because I certainly do like to have a nice glass of wine too. <laughs> so, uh based on the way that I was as a child, what what ideas did you have in your mind about what you thought I might grow up to be? Well, at first I was afraid about it because when you were two you were so obsessed with all things uh, cultural and television and music and TV that I had to put the television in the garage for two years. I remember. I was afraid I was that devastated. you would 
you wanted to watch TV all the time. And I didn't know that you were going to actually use your learning and understanding of pop culture and turn it into a career. If I would have known, I might have been more gracious about it all. And that would there, have been great. There is definitely a point sometimes on the show where Jen won't know something, and I'll think it was probably those two years. <laughs> From <laughs> two to four, right? really brings yeah. the show down. Yes, yes, exactly. It's amazing. She always, anything she watched on TV or in a movie, she would memorize it and then be able to either write music and create a play out of it or something like that. So I should have gotten the hint early on. So is that what you thought I would, you thought I would be involved in something with the arts? Or did you have other I ideas? I did when you were a little small child, and then when you became an adult, I thought maybe I, I, you were, you know, you taught everybody in the kids in the neighborhood how to read and write and do arithmetic. So I thought you should certainly be a teacher. But when you were, I think, around a senior in high school, you informed me that you wouldn't be able to live uh, to the manner which I had trained you to live on a teacher's salary and therefore would have to do something else. I was very pragmatic that way. Yes. <laughs> and what do you think, looking back, what do you think from, for who I am and my personality, what was the hardest part of raising Jen? Oh, boy. It's really a hard question because... Because of the arguing? No, because in skill. so many ways you were such a big part of making our family work that you were such a participant in raising all the rest of us. You were so wise beyond your years and also willing to step up to whatever needed to be done that anything that ever you ever did that annoyed me was so minor compared to your contribution in our family that I don't even remember it. Oh, Mom, that's precious. It's really true. Because I always think of me as being such an um, arguer. You know, I always was trying to win the point at well, all costs. Well, because you always are sure you're right. <laughs> we all know that. It's, um, see, my granny tendencies came out early. Have you ever been in a casino with your daughter, Steph, when, when uh, everyone at the blackjack table was victorious? <laughs> Many times, and don't even ask about the craps table when she won $1,000 on her way to the airport. <laughs> But have you heard her? Have you heard her um, triumphant war cry? Oh yeah! Oh boy! Well, it got she us tried. some. It got us oh. some ugly looks at Goldie's Casino <laughs> See, in Shoreline. See, that's the problem. The local casinos here don't appreciate my exuberance as much as they Jim, do. Jim, well, just Vegas. for the people that haven't been out with us, will you give us a, a sure. sample? Everyone's a winner. That's the one. Okay, mom. So this is my final question for you. After raising me, what advice would you give to me about raising kids? Oh, I think the most important thing about being a parent with, that I tried to do as much as I could is never criticize children for anything that isn't really important. Even when they cut off all their hair when they're 18? Yeah. <laughs> Did you do that, Jennifer? Yes. <laughs> and my mom called me and was quoting like Old Testament Bible verses about my hair being my glory. <laughs> That's your crown. <laughs> Just because I loved it. You know, I, was, I was a little off the wall at, about that. I was wrong. I'm sorry. It's okay. I forgive you. You were Brittany before. I was Brittany, Brittany before was Brittany. Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> I really did, too. It was like down to my butt, and I cut it all up to above my ears. Wow. Yeah, it was traumatic. Did it get the reaction you were going for? Well, my mom freaked out, so that was good. <laughs> 
<laughs> so happy That's what Mother's every teenager Day. wants. <laughs> okay, Mom. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Now I love your hair any way it is. It's always beautiful, and you are always beautiful, and I love you more than anything in the world. I love you, too. Thank Steph, you very much. can you much. be my new mommy? <laughs> When you need me, I'm here. Okay. And you come by any time. Okay. Okay. All right. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. This is TBTL. We'll be back in a moment with much more. Oh, hearts warm. Um, You know, it's so interesting about about those interviews is that, you know, you have a real kind of spectrum in terms of, like, each mom's approach. And yet, I think that they all turned out kids that are pretty with it, pretty smart, pretty well-balanced. So I guess it kind of takes all kinds. And moms, we love you so much. And um, we wish you all a big happy Mother's Day this Sunday. So I think in general, all three moms think that their kids were great kids, uh, but in different ways. Uh, And it's not a surprise to me at all that Luke was a handful. (laughs) <laughs> well, wait, before before we get to the actual dynamic between them and their moms, I have something to get off my chest about the Redmond police. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and their cigarette and, sting? Uh, come on. Your <laughs> kid is 17 years old. Yeah. He, he goes to buy cigarettes. He shouldn't be doing it. Right. And the, the person carded him, which they should do, mm-hmm. and refused to sell him the cigarettes, which is fine. But... Why you got to call the cops? What kind of an asshole hangs on to someone's ID and calls the cops on a seventeen-year-old kid? This isn't a nine-year-old kid, you know. Right. This isn't this isn't a little boy. Well, we need to make sure to get his parents involved. I want to go back in time and kick the ass of that clerk and tell the cops to just beat it. He had to go to a freaking cigarette class. <laughs> cigarette class, and that his dad had to pay for. I know what a what a racket. <laughs> he was still it's all chapped a racket. about that. It it might have not been the clerk's racket to perpetrate. You know what I mean? Like they the clerk could have been, you know, they might have had their their uh, cigarette selling license. Oh, um, uh, right. Jeopardy. They might have, if it's a sting, and, and yeah. then you just tell the guy to go away mm-hmm. instead of calling the cops, then you lose your license or whatever. Okay. Yeah, all right. it could have been a sting. Yeah. When I was in high school, uh, my high school sweetheart worked at Hagedorn's, a local grocery store in Webster, mm. and they tried to run a sting through her cashier line, but it was like a kid we all went to school with. Uh. So we were all 15 or 16. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, what are you doing? You idiot. And so yeah. she called over the manager and then they made her employee of the month. Oh, sweet. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so they, um, Sean's mom starts telling the story about how Sean got a bad report card and he 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 left and they yes. chased him. Yes. And you don't find out until a minute into the story that they were in their cars. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they got in a car chase yes. over a bad report card. <laughs> I've never heard of that. Yeah. Yeah, that to was, be fair, that was great. I, I totally just destroyed mail that i didn't want my mom to see when i was growing up so i got that part but you don't leave that makes it suspicious <laughs> exactly you're super super fishy when you go grab the mail and then jump in your car and take off <laughs> yeah yeah i love that and and my favorite part too of their interview is her accent oh yeah i love yeah. that she, they're from new jersey right yep i think mm-hmm. yeah yeah, and and um, when I first heard Sean's voice, I thought he was 
from Jersey. And mm-hmm. and then when his mom came on, I was like, oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> yeah, because you live close enough back there. You probably dealt with a lot of Jersey people. You probably know it. Yep. And uh. their moms always have the stronger <clears throat> accent. And it's great. <laughs> I love it. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, I lived that was with really a guy cool. uh, from New Jersey when I was working in D.C. And my name wasn't Mike. It was Mike. <laughs> Moike. Moike. <laughs> hey, Ma, I want to bring Moike over for dinner. <laughs> yeah. Moike, yeah. this place is beat. Let's go to Rumors. There you go. <laughs> I think yeah. I suspected, by the way, that he was running away in a car because he was far <laughs> too tired to run away on foot. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, that was great. It made me wish I had known Sean, although I've got to be a good, like, 15 years older than Sean, but... It made me wish I had known him mm-hmm. when he was a kid because it would have been pretty funny. When he was getting into his myths. <laughs> yeah, his his myths. Yeah. Myths. yeah. You know, you got into some myths. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. The, the Bur- Luke Burbank. Okay. What I enjoyed most about it is she, she pretty much called him out for being like, um, I, I don't want to say all the way entitled as a kid, but he, <laughs> he definitely. <laughs> Wanted to get whatever he wanted, wanted to get it now, and didn't care really whether it was the right thing for the for the the family financially or or otherwise. You know, he wanted his pizza and pipes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and then he wanted to go back to to Bagley Elementary. <laughs> he didn't want to yeah. be homeschooled anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She thought he was going to be a lawyer because of how much he argued. I thought that was great. Oh yeah, I a think lawyer. that would be. <laughs> I think that was probably a good call on her part, but I think he, you know, I mean, he's, he's found his, his spot. I'm glad he's not a lawyer. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. This is the relationship that I have with my mom or have with my mom when I was young, which is that I was smart and independent pretty young. And so when Susie was saying, you know, I had to remember that you're the kid. Yes. <laughs> when he would be making his persuasive, his arguments and always have, a backup and an alibi for everything he did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. She yeah. would have to remember that once in a while, she just had to put her foot down as a parent. Yeah. And be like, Hey, right. wait a second. And when you got yeah. like f- four or five of them running around younger, Oy. you know, right. Then, then you're just, you're worn down. I mean, mm-hmm. you gotta be worn down. You gotta be susceptible to all of Luke's BS. <laughs> yeah. It's too much. <laughs> right. You're like, okay. God. Yeah. Get yeah, what you want. It's about situation management at that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He seems pretty appalled by the breastfeeding. Yeah. Uh, story. Well, as does uh, David in the background, who you can hear yelling. <laughs> yeah, stop and, it. And also uh, Walter well, yelling yeah. at her to cut it as yeah. well. But you know, I'm so, whenever that comes up, I'm so glad she breastfed the kids. Not that it's my place to be glad or not glad or whatever, but that was actually super cutting edge at that time there's a lot of support for breastfeeding now even legally but at that time it was it was not as in favor as it is now and just as a culture mm-hmm. in america well, we almost it takes completely guts lost to breastfeed it. <laughs> yeah it, i mean it's it's um you know and even even luke admired it trying to breastfeed his little doll and and um That's right. you know like i just i think it's cool that she did that um and and it speaks to a larger quality of her like really not giving an f what other people think you know and doing mm-hmm. what she knows is right for her kids i, I respect thought, that 
it was pretty progressive that not just for her kids, right? But, <laughs> but trying to breastfeed kids. other people's kids. <laughs> That's pretty unusual. But you know, I gotta say, like <laughs> that has happened in in nature and and humanity before. You know, so it's um it's countercultural <laughs> in in America to do that for sure. But um you know it was it was her it was her maternal way. If the grandbaby is already mad, uh, <laughs> yeah. then. Aren't they just going to be madder when right. when they get a breast with nothing in it? I know. <laughs> just speculating. I would think so. Foiled again. Right, right. But I mean, if she, you know, she was she was nursing Sammy, right? So you know, if she was still nursing Sammy, there's stuff in there. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. I yeah. I want to just take it aside to say that when you're done listening to this podcast twice. <laughs> Go back and listen. It's a few episodes back. I'd have to find it. But there's a great episode of, I think, Reply All about the economy of breast milk. Oh, because yeah. Because nowadays, yeah, it's highly sought after. Hmm. Yeah. Between between moms who can't produce or can't produce enough and weird fetishists. Oh, dear. Hmm. <laughs> I, I didn't know about this. I guess I'm still living in the mustache ride economy. Right. <laughs> I haven't made it to the well. We all, we, we all know you're stuck in the past, Mike. Yeah. I, yeah. I want to make it clear, as laudatory as I am of breastfeeding, however you feed your baby is fine. <laughs> Formula is fine. Right. Before we move on to uh, Stephanie and Jen, I just want to call back to the beginning of the conversation with Susie. Where she was saying how much pot she smoked while Luke was pregnant. Oh, right. So she was pregnant with Luke. And yeah. Jen just goes, so much is coming together. <laughs> yes. 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 And then and then um, Susie uh, clarified that she actually chilled, like, on, on the... Uh, on the partying or what, whatever you would call it on the, on the substances or whatnot. Sure. Um, so that, you know, maybe she was continuing to uh, smoke pot, but there were other things that she wasn't doing. So that's, you know, that's good. Yeah, I, I right. think she's um, AA actually. Yes. Um, yeah. That's uh, um, definitely come up. Yeah. Well, Phyllis, uh, Bobby chime in, if you know, um, is there any link between um, pot smoking and any kind of, uh, poor effects on babies i just didn't come to mind for me but <laughs> besides besides being a bad mother <laughs> like physically is there, you know, is there I, some link i certainly haven't heard of anything specific like that yeah. but i don't know that it's been studied enough to know right now that marijuana is legal in more places recreationally right. maybe they'll study it more but right. i mean in general they just tell you to you know like any drugs that you're doing recreational or otherwise to talk, talk to the doctor about it. And I'm sure yeah. every doctor is pretty much going to say, don't do it. Knock you that know. shit off is what they're going to tell you. They're going <laughs> right. to tell you because you're going to fall down the stairs or something because you're high. Right. And then, you know, right. Yeah. Or take your kid to a fish concert. <laughs> yeah. You'll do something really awful. It's going to be disastrous for everyone. <laughs> but sure. you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's possible that there are certain situations where if somebody, you know, I mean, I, I basically, I haven't heard anything specific about it, but I would imagine it would be a, um, weighing of, of factors, you know, like there are people who can get very, very, um, you know, a lot of 
have suffer from a lot of anxiety if they're not regulating mm-hmm. it in some way. So, right. So, yeah, I would imagine that would be a talk to your doctor situation. Yeah, and and nobody has a doctor who says, "Oh yeah, smoke up." <laughs> <laughs> doctor John, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Do you have any? Let's let's get high right now. <laughs> uh, so that's Lucas McGoogles. Aw, hmm. cute. But uh, on to Stephanie. Yeah. Jen's mom, mm-hmm. who couldn't quite bite on the joke of Jen having a bottle of wine or a box of Franzia <laughs> in the crib. Yeah, that was so cute. Well, she she enjoys um, her wine quite a bit. I've met um, this is the one of the three ladies that I have met, and she's a delight. <laughs> she does enjoy her wine, and um, the thing that that struck me is very similar with Luke and Jen is they both love to argue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that, that leads to some of the best moments on the show when they're arguing about, you know, different, different, you know, pop culture stuff like that. So definitely like, uh, I think it's Wordsworth that said the child is the father of the man. I mean, I think in, in Luke's case, that's the case. And, and also Jen, I mean, she is not, changed from that remember those tapes yes of her bossing everyone around in fact she was a parent at like eight yeah absolutely yeah i the point where i'm listening in may 2008 now those tapes have just been introduced and it's so funny yeah it's great because she and i believe that you guys i think the first time i heard those Mm. was on lrb Amen to that. Exactly. Amen to that. (laughs) (laughs) I am not lying, sister. (laughs) That was so great. I love that. And it's, it's, um, it's neat because I, I didn't hear anything where they were trying to quash that in her as a child. And I think that's good. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it, it's, um, because I think a lot of times people do try to quash it, especially in girls. And mm-hmm. they didn't. Right. And I think that's great. Right. I mean, from She's, what I heard. She was a leader. She's always a leader. Absolutely. Um, and then and the caretaking aspect of it, of yeah. course. You know, she is a caretaker for her family. She's a caretaker of this community. And she's like even a caretaker at the blackjack table, which I can tell you <laughs> as a veteran blackjack player, it's not appreciated. You can take <laughs> yeah. your caretaking and, and get away from <laughs> my table, great. please. Right. We're We're playing yeah. cards here, ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nothing about this surprised me at yeah. all. No. Yeah, yeah. It was it was great. I I mean and I think I mean it's what I love about the the fact that they put that together and had their moms on the air and um I know I've referenced the Howard Stern show a couple of times, but that's my other favorite show. And um it's parents are the great equalizer in so many ways. I mean, you remember it from just different things at school where your parents are there. And as you become a teenager and then an adult, like when you're around your parents, something changes, you know, and, mm-hmm. and to have all the parents in the same room, it just, it just makes it funny. So I love that they did yeah. that. Yeah. And th- that that's a, a good transition here. I mean, cause I want to talk about our moms a little bit and I, I would never, because for one thing, it would take a lot of work to get our moms on the air. For another thing, well, my mom's been dead for 10 years, so oh. that that's a problem. So a lot of work. Right. A lot, a yeah. lot of work. Uh, Phyllis's mom is a no bullshit lady. And mm-hmm. since I'm all bullshit, she probably 
would not want to talk to me. And then Bobby doesn't want his mom on the air with us because he thinks I'll hit on her because we're about the same age. And I probably would. So, so I guess we'll answer for our moms um, some of these questions like um, <clears throat> how we think they would or would have answered. Bobby, you wrote down the questions. Let's, you want to try a couple of these? Yeah, but I think we can lightning round through these. Uh, okay. Question one, were you terrified when you found out you were pregnant with me? You know, I, for the longest time, I would have presumed the answer was yes, but I found out when I produced that documentary about my dad that I was planned. And I had no idea until I was 30 years old that I was, I was your a planned man, pregnancy. Your, your mom planned <laughs> to have a baby with Sweet Phil? My he dad was said, half slick. <laughs> he was halfway slick. And he told her he wanted to have a baby with her. Oh, my God. Well, yep. I don't doubt his honesty, but, I, but finishing that sentence, <laughs> right. I want to have a baby with you, but then I'm going to leave like I do. <laughs> Every other person I have a baby I know. with. And I'm should not, have finished that sentence. I'm not sure how much of that she knew. I I I don't remember how much of that mm-hmm. she already knew. So mm-hmm. so um but no, she was happy. Well that's good. Yeah. Um for myself I would say my mom probably was filled with a sense of dread <laughs> when she was pregnant with me. Oh because uh my my parents were high school sweethearts. They had my sister when they were eighteen, so I think he impregnated my mom when they were 17. Mm. Uh, they had my brother five years later. And then uh, I share I share something with Luke Burbank. We were both conceived in Philadelphia. All right. And <laughs> uh, I was born in Seattle. But I w- it was, um, you know, 10 years after my sister had been born. Um, from as, for as long as I can remember, my parents hated each other. So I can't imagine they were really like super into each other and then just turned when I was like three or four years old into hating each other. I think it was a longstanding thing and I I think it was an accident. Um, But I'm glad I never talked about it with my mom. (laughs) We had a great relationship and and I don't think she was sorry she had me, but I I don't think I was planned at all. Mm -hmm. What you're saying is the cheese running through your veins could actually be cheese whiz. (laughs) Yes, it could be. And, and, there's probably some some grilled onions in there. I hope so. Anyway, I hope so. Uh, I imagine that my mother was terrified, uh, and I say that because the circumstances of my, uh, well, my origin are are a little fraught. Um, my mother was uh, seeing someone who was separated from his wife mm. at the time, but I don't believe they were actually divorced. And he was also significantly older than my mother. Oh. Uh, and they did not stay together even to when I was born. They broke up before I was born. So the way my mother tells it, they broke up before she knew she was pregnant. Oh. And there are some circumstances involved where she wasn't, she was under the impression she could not get pregnant. Oh. Uh, not from planning, but through medical issues. Yeah. And so she probably wasn't being as safe as she would right. have been if she thought she could get pregnant. And she was about oh. 19, right? 19 or 20? Uh, 22 when I was 22. born. 22. Okay. Wow. So there are some pretty heavy years before that where she left and came back. And uh, I I was probably quite the surprise. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it worked out well. Uh, but uh, only child, single mother. So that's why the... Um, treating me like an adult and remembering that I'm a kid comes in more because the two of us were kind of 
took care of each other. Yeah, allies and buddies and roommates and mm-hmm. adversaries through the years. Right, <laughs> right. Um, Mike, were you an easy baby to deal with? I was very easy baby to deal with. I was a chubby little fella, and I was quiet, and all I liked to do was just read and play by myself and, and like throw a rubber baseball against the chimney and catch catch it grounding back or flying back to me. Aw. <laughs> I think for the most part I probably was, although every now and then I would do something that, su- that would surprise my mom. Um, but I think the baseline level was was easy excellent uh i i was um always pushing my limits even as a baby mm-hmm. so i'm sure i was pretty annoying i'm, I'm sure i was always <laughs> trying to break out of whatever was trying to contain me or mm-hmm. taking something apart or getting my hands on something or my mouth on something or mm-hmm. you know it's amazing i didn't hurt myself more as a kid yeah. <laughs> or even as a baby um Three was uh, based on child behavior. What did you think you'd become? And I'll say uh, I wanted to be a writer from a very young age. And I think I didn't change so much as that evolved. I mean, I ended up studying journalism and working in music. And now the work I do has a lot of writing in it. So I think I was always trying to break things down and understand them. And and that, that really hasn't changed. So I think I probably, she would have just said I wanted to be a writer or journalist or something to that effect or you know a future podcaster once people knew what a podcast was sure uh phyllis yeah i mean i think that the the main thing my mom has always pointed out to about me my mom is extremely laudatory of me which i appreciate um but one of the things she has always pointed out um and you know she's the kind of person who says oh you'd be good at anything blah 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 but she's always pointed out that i've always had a lot of friends and so I think that she would have expected that I would do something that somehow involved, um, you know, working with a lot of people and somehow being well regarded. So I guess it kind of probably turned into something like that. Well, uh, I don't think that my mom gave much thought to that as far as I'm as far as I was concerned. Mm-hmm. I mean, she she knew that I love to read because I would always be sitting in the corner reading books i mean her books books that were just too old for me to be reading a lot of mm-hmm. <laughs> um and she knew that i was a decent writer and i think she just thought i would eventually work that into some kind of a gig which i have not so <laughs> sorry mom <laughs> oh you were right mom i am a pretty good writer but i haven't i haven't made it happen for any dollars zero dollars um uh, mike you're making this too easy so let me bounce right back at you with sure. um what do you think the hardest part of raising you was? Huh. Uh, well, I think it had to do with the dynamic between me and my brother. My brother was five years older than me. And until I turned about 15 or 16 and got as big as he was, we were physically and mentally at war all the time. Mm. And I think that made things really hard on her. Um, yeah, by myself, I was never much trouble. So, all right, Phyllis. I think my mother would say poverty. <laughs> I think she would she would say the hardest thing about raising me was not really to do with me, but the fact that we had no money. Did she? Do you feel like she felt um, 
she felt inadequate or she felt I think like- she did. I think she felt like it was her fault all the time and mm-hmm. and then for a while we were cruising along pretty good and then she got laid off when I was in like seventh grade, which is a really crappy year for something like that to happen because by then the kid's old enough to kind of care and be like, Oh right. no, what are we gonna do? and be worried. Kids are you know. starting to judge each other yeah. based on what they wear. Oh, and, totally. And, yeah. yeah. So I think she probably felt felt like that was, was pretty rough. Um and probably why it was a huge relief when I got a job when I was 15. Uh, I have a quick digression. I was talking about this with Emily the other day. And Phyllis, you might be the right age um, to talk about these these jeans from the early and mid-80s where uh, they were fold-over jeans. Like, oh. they, you, the girls would wear them and they, you, you pull them up and then you'd fold over the top, <laughs> the top and there yes. was no woman in the world whose ass looked good in those shoes. No, <laughs> no. Let me Gives just say that. Balloon butt, saggy balloon butt. Yeah. Yeah. Those weren't really um, the the move up here. I totally, I know exactly what you're talking about. What was more uh, hip here was guest jeans. So uh, um, like. Yeah. Um, which didn't look good either. The, the <laughs> guest was hype because they were tight and they were, they had ankle zippers. Those God. those were great. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, fold over jeans. Uh, I just I couldn't believe it because my girlfriend was great looking, great yeah. body, and then she would wear these jeans, and I'd be like, I I should have spoken up at the time. Yeah, no, so those are ridiculous. Waist- those <laughs> those were the kinds of things girls, you know how um I think Jen has talked before about how girls really wear things for each other. Yeah, you know, like those were clearly not for the guys. Um, yeah. clearly yeah. yeah i think yeah my mom would have my mom i mean my mom put a pair of guest jeans on layaway for me so that's oh. how down my oh. mom was and they were i have to I say they her. were marked down because they were white i wore white clothes all through uh, middle school because they were always on sale mm-hmm. and um but guest jeans was a big ticket item and she put those on layaway a whole guest outfit on layaway for me at um at jay jacobs but i think if they were those roll roll down waist jeans she would have been like you're kidding right like that's jay jacobs that <laughs> that brings me back yeah I, totally my mom took me to lamont's for back yeah lamont's is good i mean and especially if you're a boy you could get away with lamont's yeah but... some velour bullshit yeah i'm just picturing mike giving fashion advice under his eight t-shirts <laughs> All right. All right. I used to wear my dad's beer league t-shirts to school. That's that's what I would wear. See, that so, would yeah, actually I'm be out in style now. Though. That would be that would be very hipster to have that kind of t-shirt that nobody else could find. Totally. The Meet Tavern, the Round the Clock Tavern, all the different. Beer. Yeah. Oh, that's. I want that t-shirt now. I know. I want to go back. Uh, and hardest part of raising me, actually, Phyllis. Poverty's a really good answer. We were also broke, and my mom worked two or three shitty part-time jobs pretty much all the time mm. in my early years. Because again, she, she was gone from about age 16 to 21. So, wow. uh, she didn't really have a high school diploma or any job experience when I was mm. young. Wow. Uh, and she bounced back from that. Um, but mm-hmm. there was a lot of tending bar and a lot of waitressing. Mm. And so I had a lot of respect for people who worked in the food service industry at a young age because she hustled. And yeah. work days and nights, you know? Wow. Um, but I, I had two other answers here. I, one was that I was a dude. And so <laughs> yeah. she was a, a single woman raising yeah. a son without mm-hmm. any of the practice of the things that guys need. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. she never really was able to teach me how to shave. Mm-hmm. She sort of sent me to the men's room and 
just let me, you know, mm-hmm. it sounds dumb saying it now, but like, you just don't have someone to run you through those early steps as a guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, the way that she would supplement that is, you know, I was in Boy Scouts. I was never a Cub Scout, but I joined Boy Scouts with a friend who dropped out a month later and I stayed in for like six years. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, she made sure that I always had positive male role models around. No. <clears throat> which was, you know, she went out of her way. She was an assistant scoutmaster for years. Uh, oh. to just to make sure that I was involved with that stuff. And the other answer I had was just the hardest part of raising me was the year 2001, because I was a bastard at 15. Oh, dear. I mean, I think everyone is, but yeah. even now, if we talk about my childhood, you can just ask her what was the hardest time of my growing up, and she will flat out say 15. I was trying to take over the world, but I didn't have a car yet. Mm. And, you know, it was just a brutal year for us, uh, but we bounced back. You um, couldn't drive away from home like Sean DeTorio. Right, exactly. I couldn't <laughs> run a drive with the mail. Uh, a, a highlight of the parent-child relationship. I'm actually going to stick with a similar answer, which is the the ways my mom strived to to create those experiences for me outside of her comfort zone. Things like being a Boy Scout Scoutmaster and um, being supportive of the things I wanted to do that put me in other responsible adults to, to sort of reinforce uh, those things for me. She she tried whenever she could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. Phyllis, mm-hmm. do you have a highlight of your relationship with your mother? Yeah, I mean, I when I think when I was really little, I wanted to be just like my mom, and so I loved to read because my mom loved to read, and I think that was really exciting for her that I could. I I was tiny, 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 but I could read. Um, you know, I could read the newspaper by the time I was five and I didn't understand any, everything in it or hardly anything in it. But I think that was really fun for her to see that happen and that it, it didn't feel forced at all. And now I know how unusual that is. Um, I, I think it felt normal to me at that time, but I think that's something that she and I both still think is really cool. That's that's almost exactly what I was going to say about huh. my mom. She was an English teacher, mm-hmm. and my older siblings just not that interested in academics or, or reading. Yeah. And I think she was pretty thrilled that she finally had someone that would just grab a book off the shelf and start reading. Yeah. Uh, and then, but one moment that encapsulates uh, my mom completely is when I drove home from San Diego, where I was a fugitive, and. You know, I went to her place to talk to her and my stepdad and have them take me into the police station to turn myself in. My mom was all about uh, she was going to get the best lawyer for me and going to, you know, beat this. Thing. And was, Mom, I don't even think you understand what's happening here. I did it. Yeah. I did oh. all of it, Mom. Mm-hmm. I got to pay the price here. And she's like trying, still trying to, like, protect me. And oh. moms get, I mean, they get all out of touch with reality when, you know, they see something bad's going to happen to their kid. Yeah. In this case, going to, going to prison. Um, so, you know, that was a, a really sweet moment we had right before I turned myself in. Mm. Asking what advice our mothers would have for us for raising children might be a little too meta. For me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that might be one or two steps too far removed for me to have a good answer. Huh. <laughs> if either of you have one, feel free to jump in. Well, I, I don't really because I don't think my mom, you know, she wasn't the type, type of person to 
give out a lot of advice. She she was really kind and sweet and not, you know, uh pushy or busybody in any way. And I don't think I don't think I ever heard her even with all the kids that went through her classes at school, I don't think I ever heard her complain about anyone's parenting. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Mm. Yeah, my mom has given relatively little advice, which is um so interesting because I think that she feels like she did a great job as a parent, but she also kind of has me up on a pedestal, so thinks that I, I, I could do everything just fine and things like that. But I, I think that if she were to let herself give me advice, it would be about, um, you know, just letting Gus be himself and be who mm-hmm. he is, and um, and supporting that. And so that's that's yeah. the kind well, of well, you're doing that for sure. I feel yeah. like Gus I am. is a great kid. Yeah, he's cute. He's fun. She would also tell you to not let anyone else's children fuck with him on the playground. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because I think we've learned that she's pretty serious about that. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Don't slam my kid's face down on the (laughs) playground. I don't appreciate that at all. No. (laughs) No. Yeah. All right. Um, I think we can skip housekeeping. Bobby's got to get going. Uh, do buy some, stickers. Uh, keep archiving. <laughs> archive, buy stickers. How to get involved? Website littleredbandwagon.com. Uh, you can fill out the form. Facebook. Go to the Stens page or ours. Personal Twitter is at Drew McFrizz at Kissy Eyes at RL Pape. You made a good spoof today, Bobby. I gotta say. <laughs> uh, at Dadstronaut at Meredith underscore Mayhan at Phil Fletch P H Y L F L E T C h at lrb podcast email us at little red bandwagon at gmail.com also there is a there is a survey which is on um, the stance page and our page you can take about the show and give us your feedback that the nice lady will beat us over the head with um, <laughs> voicemail 802-432-tbtl 802-432-8285 play a jingle here little red bandwagon is a place to be call and talk to meredith or christy bobby jeremy Anne, or mike they won't make you take a hike 802-432-tbtl 802-432-8285. All right. That's all I have. Thank you, Phyllis. Really appreciate it. We will see you in June, and we'll talk about uh, Emily and me. All right. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby, we, uh, get us out of here. Boy, without Christy here. Yeah. I I know Christy's line. Then you should right? do it. Yeah, okay. go ahead. Then. Yeah. Until next time, this is the next party. Now, Bobby, you say... Uh, we love you, Jen. We love you, Jen, and moms. <laughs> Sorry, just a uh, little Gary's Berry. <laughs> <A> little drizzle. <clears throat> Nailed it. <laughs>